Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Father, we love you, Lord. We just thank you for your presence. You're such a good God. You're such a good Father. Father, I thank you for your word. It is, it is living and active in Acts 19, 20. It grows and multiplies, Lord. Acts 20 and verse 32, it builds us up. Your word has an element that lifts us and builds us up, and it gives us a tremendous inheritance. And we just thank you for that. Lord, speak to every person in this room today. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. And if you agree, would you just say amen? amen. We are in a series called Generation Adjusters, and we want to take just a few minutes and, and spend just a moment on this. And the, the part that we're going to talk about today is so fitting and so appropriate because we have a missionary guest here today. And I planned this two months ago and had no idea that I would be landing at this part in the message right here during our time that a missionary speaker is going to be here. Let's turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. This is our text scripture the Lord has given us. Would you look at your neighbor and say, you can adjust a generation? Just tell them, you can adjust a generation. The whole heart of this message is that we would make a difference for the Lord. How many of you know you are a little different? How many of you have some differences? How about Carrie take his differences and James take his differences and Annette take her differences? And How about we put them together and make a major difference for the Lord? Don't let difference divide you. Let differences unite us. And let's put them together and make a great difference for the Lord. We live in a time where, where our generation is not... You've seen all the laws that have been passed and all the things in the news. And we live in a generation who is not focused on the Lord. They're not selling out their hearts to the Lord. And, and I look at our precious kids up here. I mean, we're not just babysitting our children. They are investing in them. They're speaking the word of God over them. They're teaching them. But everyone in the room, you are called to be a generation adjuster. You are not called to just conform to the generation you're called to be in a generation adjuster. Psalm 78, we'll read it together. It says, so that the next generation would know them, talking about the ways and statutes of God, even the children yet to be born. We have a responsibility to the children not even born to share the statutes of God with them so that they would in turn tell their children, look at the next passage in verse 7, that they would put their trust in God. We, we want to live right, give ourselves to the Lord, and be a generation adjuster so that those who come after us would put their trust in the Lord. They would not forget His deeds, but they would keep His commands. Verse 8 tells us this. Because we, we see ancestors were a stubborn, religious, rebellious generation. Their hearts were not loyal to God, and their spirits were not faithful to him. And so we begin to give you four gems to being a generation adjuster. If you're new here in this church, number one, we're glad you're here. Can we encourage all the new people today? Man, we got so many visitors here today. Thank you for coming. We love alliteration, and we think alliteration is anointed. If alliteration annoys you, this may not be the church for you. I'm just telling you. It, because we like alliteration. It helps us remember. So we gave you four gems to being a generation adjuster. Look on the screen. Give yourself wholly to God. We're finishing today our 21 days of consecration. I'm going to Krispy Kreme Donut tomorrow, and I'm going to eat a whole dozen, praise God. Amen. We're going to just eat it up. So if I gain 10 pounds between now and next week, you know Pastor James is off the Daniel fast. Amen. Not had meats and sweets, and, and I'm ready to go. I mean, ready to eat some sweets, praise God. 
But we talked about giving ourselves. Yeah, I won't fit my jacket anymore next week. That's why I wore it this week. It is a slim. It is a slim. I did buy a slim. And my wife is like, my wife said, I ordered it. And she's like, you don't need a slim. I was like, I rebuke you. <laughs> she's like, you used to need a slim. I was like, I still need a slim. Anyway, that's right. See, I'm not the only one in my house that's so encouraging. I mean, she's got the gift too, clearly, of encouragement. We talked about giving yourself wholly to the Lord. God doesn't just want part of your heart. He wants all of you. He wants every area of your life. He doesn't just want this part. He wants it all. That's what this 21 days has been about. Then we talked about getting closer to God. We do that through prayer and fasting. That's one way we can draw closer to the Lord. We talked about a little bit about giving and being generous, and we're going to pick that part up next week. And then today, because we have a lovely missionary with us, we're going to focus on going where he sends you. Look at the next slide for review. Uh, just help me track for the review. I can't remember what I thought we needed to say or not. So here we go. Talking about being generous, which we're going to dive back into next week. A life that is giving, a giving life, attracts the blessings in favor of God. But a taking life or a greedy, stingy life repels the favor of God. We want to be a, a blessing to other people. How many know saved people serve people? We are blessed to be a blessing. We are filled up so we can fill up others. We are loved so we can love people. This joy that God put in my heart is not just so I can have the joy in my heart. Remember the old song? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. You know what? Thank God for the joy in your heart, but you should let it out. You should share that joy. I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. Please tell your face. We can't tell. Please notify your face that you have the joy of the Lord in your heart because it's not obvious. Notice here, what's the next screen? It tells you we, we begin to talk about generosity. And this is some grounds that we can sow generosity in. Good ground to sow generosity in. Life-giving words. Heard a testimony of some of our college students, how this really spoke to them and ministered to them. This world is full of death-giving words. And the Bible commands us to be an encouragement, to speak life. Your words matter. Next week, we're going to talk about giving mercy and forgiveness. A way that you can be generous is in serving the church body. A way that you can be generous is in your time and talents. And then uh, everybody's favorite subject, you can actually be generous in your finances and your treasure as well. You can't wait for next week, right? I can feel the excitement in the room. So let's talk about number four real quick, just about going where God leads you, going where God sends you. This is such a, a, a great truth in my heart. And just so excited the Lord would bring this to us. Wrote this two months ago. Had no idea we'd have a guest today, what season of life we would be in. And so this is just an incredible word to, that the Lord has for us. So let's, let's turn to Acts chapter 20. Are you willing to follow the plan of God for your life? I want to help us today. I want to challenge us in love. You know, we live in a very selfish society, self-centered society. Are we willing to, as believers... If God doesn't even necessarily call us, I want you mentally shift here. This may not be going to a physical place. You may never be called to Africa. You may never be called to leave the physical place that you're, you're in. But mentally, we are all called to go to the place where we are willing to say yes. That's what I want to help us get to as a church. Where We may not be called to go to Indonesia. We may not be called to go to India. But we may be called to mentally ascend to the place where we say, yes, Lord, we will do what you call us to do. We will go where you call us to go. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. Look at how he felt about this in his heart. He said, my life is not worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the race 
and to complete the task. This translation says, unless I finish the work assigned to me by the Lord. My life means nothing to me unless I finish the task and the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying, sharing the good news of God's grace. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, God has a calling for you. Just tell him, God has a calling for you. So the Apostle Paul knew that his life, the way that he made his life count was by finishing the task Jesus gave him. Let's look at the prophet Isaiah. This is real famous. A lot of people know this passage. I'm sure as Danielle was preparing her heart to be a missionary and all that goes into that, I'm sure this verse came up in her heart. Isaiah gives this prophecy and he's talking through about where the Lord touches his heart about holiness and, and seeing the Lord. And, and then he heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah raised his hand and said, Here I am, Lord, send me. The attitude of every Christian must be, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me to my neighbor. Send me to my college campus. Send me to that employee that I work with. Sometimes it's, send me to Africa. Send me to Indonesia. Sometimes it's, send me away from your home like Brooke and Tyler. Send me to another land to be a missionary to our students. But the attitude of every believer must be, here I am, Lord, send me. Well, but that's kind of scary. What if he says this and that? Then you will be so satisfied and fulfilled when you're in the will of God. But the attitude of the church must be, here I am, Lord, send me. What about John the Baptist who had a tremendous ministry? He was like the, the chief baptizer. Get it, John the Baptist? He's got a whole denomination named after him. I mean, praise God. He was, he was the man. He had it going on. He, he could have had a big-time salary, could have had a big-time crowd. Look what John the Baptist said concerning Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 30. John said, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. I put two translations up here. The New Living says, He must become greater. In the Greek, that reads greater and greater and greater. In the Greek, it actually means less and less and less, meaning your decreasing never stops. And his increasing never stops. The Amplified Bible says he must increase, but I must decrease. He must grow more prominent, and I must grow less. So we've got Paul, we've got Isaiah, we've got John the Baptist. So let me give you, just because we like alliteration, let me give you three components to the call. Can we do that? We're going to anyway. Selena likes my alliteration, and so that's pretty much all that matters. Amen? Three components of the call. Real quick, just real quick, we're going to turn it over to our guests today. This is going to help you, I think, in a tremendous way too. So number one, the clear calling. The clear calling. When we're talking about going and, and giving our heart to the Lord and being used by God, being a generation adjuster, we have to understand that the calling is clear. The calling for every disciple to pay an ultimate price of sacrifice, a sacred sacrifice, is clear. Every New Testament Christian has this calling, maybe not to go physically, but mentally we have to give up our rights as a follower of Christ to obey the Lord. Go to that co-worker. Go to that person in the grocery store. Obey the Lord and be led by God. Look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Very popular passage of Scripture. Jesus finds His followers, His disciples. They're fishing. They have their business. They have their homes, their family, their life, their friends. And Jesus called out and said, Come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I will make you a fisher of men. And so God's calling is very clear. You are called to make an impact. 
You're called to make a difference. You know, I love 1 Timothy 4.1. This is a prayer I want you to pray. I pray this almost every day. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. Say that with me. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. I, I don't believe you have to be fuzzy about what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. I believe you can clearly hear. The Bible says in the last days, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. And then this is some things He tells us about deception, false teaching. People will fall away from the faith. And I understand that is very clear. But it is also very clear what God is calling me to do. What God is calling this church to do. So in the last days, Father, I thank you. 1 Timothy 4.1, I thank you the Holy Spirit tells me clearly. Tells me exactly what I need to know and exactly what I need to do. So we, we have to understand the calling is, is clear if we'll listen. That's why we fast, to tune our spirits to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Remember the example of the radio? How many of you have a regular radio with an antenna? And you, okay, Jim's the only one. How many of you don't even know what an antenna is from the radio? I got my phone here. My radio's on my phone. Is this what you're talking How many actually have a normal, old-fashioned radio that you turn the dial on? Man, dear Jesus in heaven, my mother used to or might still have a record player. How many of you have any idea what a record is? My kids go over there and like, hey, it's Frisbee time. And we're like, no, it's an antique record. And, and if you had a radio in here today, there, there are words and pictures in the air right now. There are, there are high-definition images. If we had an antenna we could hook up to the TV, WBR Channel 10 is broadcasting right now. We could tune in and dial in and see pictures. We could tune in the radio to our favorite station. If you like Country 107.7, if you like Christian Music 88.3, you could turn the dial and that antenna would pick up the frequencies. God wants to speak clearly to us about our calling and what we're called to do. We have to tune our ears to hear. Number two, not only is the calling clear, but it is a compelling cause. It is a compelling cause. The cause that we have of Christ is a holy mission. Would you say this with me? Say, people matter to God. Think about it like this. You have access to people that I will never reach. There are people every day that you work with. Carry your neighbors. I can't just knock on the door and start a conversation with them. them they might shoot me. They might think I'm weird. Here's <laughs> like, I done tried that and it didn't work. You're talking about Bob and Gail, right? When they were here, right? Where was I before Kerry interrupted me with his wit? I can't, I can't knock on the door of your neighbors. Neither can Kerry. But I can't go to the people you can go to. I don't have influence in your school. I don't have influence in your class. I don't have influence on your job. But you do. And we have to understand that the, the cause of Christ is a compelling one. I love 2 Corinthians 5.14. I love the way this phrase is it. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. It says, Christ's love compels us. Say that with me. Christ's love compels us. This is why we do what we do. Because people matter to God. Because God has a heart for people. Say this to me. Say, God loves me just as if I'm the only person in the world to love. If we believe it, we should share that message. If we believe it, we should share that hope. The cause of Christ compels us because we are convinced that Jesus died for all. And therefore, all men must die to that sin and follow Christ. Look at verse 20 in 2 Corinthians 5. We track on down in the same chapter. We are Christ ambassadors. You've heard about being an ambassador to the UN or an ambassador to Israel or our Russia ambassador. We are ambassadors of heaven. You are on a mission. You may look like normal old you. You know what? Some, some Christians take this real serious, and they're actually in the secret service. 
They don't actually tell anybody that they're an ambassador. Listen, you're, you're, you're not the CIA Christian in, in a sense that you've got to hide this. You should share it and make it be known. We should be the CIA. We should be the church in action. Amen? We should be the church in action. We are Christ ambassadors. God, notice this. God is making his appeal through me. How does God make his appeal to humanity? Through people. How does God make his appeal? He says, we're pleading with you. Come back to God. How does God tell people, come back to me. Come back to God. He uses people. We, the church, are Christ ambassadors. I don't have time to contextualize this, but the scripture fits. It matches what we're talking about. Look at Ezekiel 22 and 30. This, is a, this was a, a powerful scripture in the Old Testament. It, the Lord said, I looked for someone who would rebuild the wall of righteousness. Think about where we are in the nation. Don't laugh. Don't joke. Don't say anything political. I'm not going there. But we got, and I, so don't give me a whoop, whoop or a no, no. I don't want any of that. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of talk about walls in our nation. The wall we're not talking about is the wall of righteousness. The church needs to be building a wall of righteousness around our communities and cities. God says, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for someone to build a wall of right standing with God. Righteousness that guards the land. It's not a physical wall, pro or con, that guards our land. It's the, it's the law and the wall, the wall of righteousness. And it says, but I searched for it. I searched for someone to stand in the gap. I searched for someone to be the wall. There's holes in the wall in our righteousness. I searched for someone. To stand in the gap of the wall of righteousness. So I wouldn't have to destroy the land. And God says, I found no one. The heart of God says, I looked, but I found no one. I looked, but there was no one that would say, here I am, Lord, send me. I looked, but I couldn't find anyone. Dear God, don't pass us by in our city. Don't pass us by in our community. Is there a breakdown in the wall of righteousness on the campus? God's looking for somebody to stand in that gap. Is there a breakdown of the wall of righteousness in your community and at your job? God's looking for someone to stand in the gap. Don't let the Lord say, I looked, but I couldn't find anyone. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Not only is the calling clear. I might write a book on this because this is all fresh. I didn't steal this from anybody. This is all fresh. Sometimes I plagiarize, and I'm proud to admit it, but this was all fresh. <laughs> Calling's clear. The cause is compelling, and there's a Christian challenge. The Christian has a challenge that no other religion has. Not only that, but we have a, cha- we have a reward that no other religion has. I'll say this in a gentle way. But God did not call you to just sit in a church chair and hear good sermons and say amen. Thank God you're sitting in a church chair. You could say a little better amens from time to time. There's more to this life than just hearing a good sermon. There's more to this life just than having a good fellowship group. There's more to this life than even serving on a worship team or being an usher and greeter. Those are great things. There, there's a calling for you to reach somebody. There's a gap in the wall of righteousness, and God says, I want you to stand in the gap. That's good. So the challenge is clear. Once we receive the call, we are faced with the question, what do we do? How do we answer? Look at Matthew chapter 19. 
There was a very, very wealthy man that came to Jesus. And I only say that to give you context as we close this today. So wealth is not evil. Wealth can be used for God. Some of the greatest believers I know are people of means and wealth. But it, we'll see in a minute that sometimes you don't have possessions. Sometimes they have you. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about going where he calls us. It may not be a physical place, but it's a mental place. Everybody in the room has to ascend to this place mentally where we're willing and available. The man said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, obey all the commandments. And the man was excited. He said, I've done that. I've, I've obeyed all the commandments. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. Somebody say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Go and sell your possessions and give all the money to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Now, Jesus is not saying you can buy your salvation. He's not saying that you can you know, pay this much money. And he's not saying good deeds give you eternal life. What he's saying is there's something in your heart blocking me from using you. There's something standing in the way. I put this in my notes this way. Possessions had this man. He did not have possessions. They had him. And I put this here. There is a pain in separating from possessions, and this man was not willing to pay that price. There is purpose beyond your pain. God may call you to separate from certain things, but there's purpose beyond your pain. Jesus was saying that you have to be willing to let go. And this was a, an opportunity that the man had. You know what I think? I can't prove this, Pastor Michael, but I believe this. I just believe the way Jesus operated. I believe if the man would have said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm willing. I believe Jesus would. You know what? I'm glad you said that. Keep all your stuff. And come on, you come follow me. I believe if the man would have been willing to let it go, Jesus would have said, your heart is right. Praise God. So great faith in Israel. Not seen it. This man is a man of God right here. Hey, keep all your stuff. I don't really need it. I just wanted to see your heart. It's not about the stuff. It's about the heart. If you hold things and possessions too close, you cannot fully say yes when Jesus says, come and follow me. We have to go to this place mentally. Look at verse 22. The young man heard it and he, he went away very sad. He, he wasn't just sad. He was weeping. Yeah, not my house. Not my, not my fishing poles, you know, not my boat. And again, nothing wrong with houses, boats, fishing poles. Nothing wrong with that. But mentally, he could not say yes to the question, come follow me, because the stuff had him. So we mentally, if we're going to say, yes, I'll go here, and I'm sending me, we have to be willing to answer this question. He had many possessions. Look at verse 23. Jesus said, I tell you, it's, hard for a, a very, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not impossible. Doesn't mean riches can stop. But so many times we trust in the wealth and riches and not God. It can be a roadblock. I'm not saying everybody take a vow of poverty. Please don't. The church needs your money. We need you, we need you to keep tithing. Amen. We, need, we got stuff to do for the Lord. Danielle needs our support today. Praise God. But as Jesus said, it's, it's hard. Not impossible, but it is harder. Now let's jump on down just, just a little bit here. Look at verse 27 as we close this. I love this honesty. I mean, you can be honest with the Lord. He already knows. I mean, when you confess your sin, that's not when God finds out about it. Like, oh, I don't want to tell God what I did. He already knows. And I tell my children, he's going to tell me when you do stuff wrong. <laughs> Man, as a kid, Adriana, I could not get away with anything. It's like I felt like before we didn't have Wi-Fi and cameras and all that stuff when I was a kid. But I felt like my mother had a spy camera following me everywhere I would go. I couldn't get away with anything. I'd say, Mom, how'd you know? She's like, the Holy Spirit told me. And I was like, ah! 
<laughs> I mean, I could gym. I could not, either. I was a really bad liar, or I just could, my mom, the Holy Spirit was helping my mom. I just couldn't get away with anything. I love how honest Peter is with the Lord. I'm going to show you something here as we close that you probably never seen, never thought about. This helped me so much, Pastor Michael. This was so great. Peter said, Lord, we've left everything and followed you. Then what will be in it for us? Lord, we've left everything. Peter said, I can see Peter. Lord, you know we've left everything and we've followed you. What's in it for us? How many of you would be honest and say that's a question you have asked the Lord before? I hear some preachers say, you're not supposed to ask what's in it for you. Really? Really? How about to him who overcomes will get the crown of life? How do we know we get a crown of life? To him who overcomes. There's an incentive for following God. Who invented the reward system? Jesus. Who invented you, you? And when you do good things, you earn jewels and your crowns and so forth. How do we know that? Because God said to him who overcomes, I will give the crown of life. It's okay to ask. Now watch this. You know this is? Ready? Jesus didn't say, Peter, you got the wrong heart. Peter, you got the wrong attitude. How dare you ask what's in it for you? Jesus said, you know what? That's a good question. And he answered his question. He didn't rebuke him for asking. Now that can't be our motivation. But I'd like to know what's in it for me But when I sign up. You know? Look what it says right here. Lord, we followed you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you. Truly. Now Jesus wasn't saying that, saying like everything else I've said is a lie. And this is actually true. He's emphasizing how true this is. You who have followed me. In the new life, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you will sit upon with the twelve tribes, the twelve uh, thrones, judging the tribes of Israel. Now that is a specific promise only for the twelve apostles. You cannot claim that you will sit over the twelve tribes of Israel. It's my understanding of Scripture. That is specifically right there for who, who Jesus is talking about. Now we, we will rule and reign, but I believe the twelve tribes represents twelve apostles. We can debate that, but that... That part's not for you, but this part is. This part's for you. Ready? Look at verse 29. And everyone. So Jesus says, those of you right now who are following me, you're going to be leaders in my new kingdom. But look what he said. And everyone. Somebody say, everyone includes me. How many of you would raise your hand and say, you're an everyone? Okay. The rest of you might be an alien. I don't know what your problem is. Everyone who's left houses and brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, children, farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus says, you know what, boys? I know you've left a lot. Danielle, I know you've given up a lot to follow the call of God. Brooke and Tyler, I know you've given up a lot. Pastor Michael and Candy, I know you've surrendered other dreams to reach the inner city kids. We know you've sacrificed. And Jesus says, it's okay to ask. There's a reward and a blessing to answering the call of God. And it's not man. Man may not reward you. But God says, I will never forget what you've done. I'll never forget your sacrifice. And how many know if I want someone to reward me, it's my heavenly Father. Right. Notice this here many times. Look at the last verse, verse 30. Whoever's given houses, lands. And then he says, the first will be last and the last will be First, we always like to quote that when we're in the line at the cafeteria. Last will be first, first will be last, you know. In context, it's about answering the call to be a generation adjuster and going where God has sent us. If you make yourself last, Jesus says, I'll, I'll put you first. You don't have to put yourself first. Let Jesus put you first. Last quote that I want you to see as we wrap this up. And then, guys, if we can get two chairs up here. 
to interview our missionary. Last quote from a missionary who was assigned for 50 years to a tribe, a very small tribe in Ecuador. 50 years this, this woman served in anonymity. No big billboards, no lights. This was what she said. The willingness to sacrifice that springs from a loving heart rather than a desire for spiritual distinction. You see, Peter was like, we've give everything to follow you. Who's kind of looking for spiritual distinction? But the willingness to sacrifice that springs from a loving heart rather than just a desire for spiritual distinction is surely acceptable to God. I love this part here. But even in the case of Abraham where he offered his son Isaac, the sacrifice itself is not always required. The sacrifice itself is not always finally required. What is required is obedience. God asked Abraham, can you sacrifice your son? Abraham said, yes, I can. God didn't require it. So you may not have to give up everything. You, know, you may not be called to move to China. But mentally, we have to ascend to the place where we say, Lord, we will follow you whatever you lead us to do. We'll go wherever you call us to go. Will you join me in that, church? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all these awesome people today. We thank you for our awesome missionary who's about to come and bless us and share testimonies of God's faithfulness. We make a commitment that we will go wherever you call us to go. We make a commitment, Lord, to follow you. Real quick, as they're setting up, don't let this distract you real quick, but let me talk to your heart for just a second. Real quick, everybody stay steady just a second. The first thing that God is calling you to do is to be a child of God. The Bible says to him who believes, he gives the power to be a child of God. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we have all sinned, we've all blown it, we've all missed the mark. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. It says the hard thing in the Bible is says Romans chapter 3 and then Romans chapter 6. It says the, the price that sin pays is death. But it says the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible says in Romans 10 that whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. Please don't leave this place today without knowing that you are a child of God by confessing your sins, inviting Jesus to come in and be your Lord, surrendering your life to Him. Let's pray this together out loud. Everybody, if you can, put faith with these words. I'm going to give you a chance to make it right with God. That way, if you died tonight, you know you have eternal life, just like the man on the screen that we read wanted. He said, what must I do to be saved? Maybe you're asking, what must I do to be saved? The answer is Jesus, accept and receive God's free gift you don't have to earn it or deserve it or pay for it. Let's all say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I receive your grace. Thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for my sins. And you raised him from the dead. And now sin and Satan, I turn my back on you. I'm done with you. I'm finished with you. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. Would you accept my life? Would you give me a fresh start? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I commit to living for you. I believe that I'm saved. In Jesus' name. Now, nobody looking around real quick. Everybody just head down just for reverence of this moment here. If you made that decision and you meant it, for the first time, or maybe it's a rededication, all of heaven is celebrating right now. The, the angels are getting the Lamb's book of life open, and, and they're writing your name down in the role of heaven, and all of heaven is celebrating. 
If you say, Pastor James, I prayed that prayer, never prayed it, but I really meant it this time. Put some faith with it. Can, we, can you make a, just a public statement between me and you and God so we can pray for you and just say, that's me? Would you slip your hand up just so I can see it? Yeah, amen. We got a brave person in the room. Anybody else say, that's me? Amen. Yeah, praise God. Hey, come on, let's give God a big hand this morning. We got two new brothers and sisters in the family of God.